This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, it would be the joy of six for Manchester City on Valentine's week. And on today's Blue Moon podcast, we'll be analysing all of the talking points from the demolition of Chelsea. It's another triple for Sergio Aguero, while Raheem Sterling was in fine form with a brace. And we'll be talking through their impact on Sunday's masterclass. The attention turns towards the cup competitions for the time being, so we'll cast an eye over the coming matches with Newport and Schalke. And we'll hear from the Sunday Mirror's chief football writer, Simon Mullock, on the title race. With the news that Rabi Matondo has left City after Schalke paid a huge fee for someone who'd never played in the first team, we'll check in with our EDS experts, Sean Blinkhorn as well. I'm your host for today, David Mooney, and I'm joined in the studio by two City fans, Kieran Clark all right. and Tom Altus. Hello. How are you doing? I'm alright. First podcast, are you well? I'm loving it here in the Burt Cave. <laughs> Burt Cave. <laughs> Amazing. I'm, 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 I might nickname this place that, actually. The, uh, meet that's, you at the Burt Cave. I have, yeah, to, I have yeah. to put some pictures up. Yeah, because we are underground, so that's... Uh... <laughs> right, so I'm, there's only one place to start with, uh, with with Chelsea, and it was Sergio Aguero. Okay, so you just, like, when you think he can't get any better... Yeah, he goes he and misses get, he, that chance in the first <laughs> few minutes, doesn't he? Well, I was going to say, I, I, I tweeted at the time, you, you know, I'm not going to score one an, an open goal from two yards, but yeah, all right, I'll pop it in the top corner from 25. Yeah, like, what, what was beautiful about that top bins was, like, um, I was saying to Tom before it, it was like, from the angle where I am towards the corner behind the goal... It's like I knew what part of the net the ball was going to hit before he'd even kicked it from the way he was shaping up. <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful the way that it hit the net. It was right right on the perfect angle for me to watch it. It was like out of Roy the Rovers, wasn't it? Or whatever. It was one of them where you kind of just can see it animated. kind of like. Just it, it's a, kind of better that the keeper got a touch as well because it, it, like, it just could not do anything about it. Yeah, but yeah, but you're a goalkeeper, aren't you? And you, you <laughs> like, Come on. Yeah, mo- most, most people you know, think that the keeper maybe could have done a bit better. I, I, so I, I was I was literally right behind it, and, and as he hit it, I saw the keeper going, and I thought, oh, the keeper's going to make it, and I saw the keeper get the end, and I thought, oh, the keeper's going to push it over, and then the keeper failed to push it over. How did you have that many thoughts in that? Your thoughts tweeted them all as there. well at that, yeah. <laughs> in, in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you like a pigeon? Do you see the world a lot slower? <laughs> well, that was just my thought process, because I, I, well, it kind of happens in slow motion when you see a goal like that, doesn't it? And anyway. when you've had a few pints. Well, yeah, done that as well, yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, Shearer did it in 14 seasons. Aguero's gone and done it in seven and a half, 11 hat-tricks in the Premier League. It, it goes to show, I mean, OK, Shearer didn't play with the, the quality of players that Aguero does, but still... It's, that it, that it's, sort of reminds me of the, the Sid Waddell quote there, doesn't it? About Alexander the Great and Phil Taylor's... Con- uh, Eric Bristow's conquered the world when he's only 24 or something. <laughs> Cried salty tears because there yeah, were no yeah. world worlds left to conquer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah, no, like he's absolutely smashed it. And I think... I think what's surprising about it is that it's come so quickly after the after the Arsenal one because I think that was that was like a big talking point of last week and I don't think anyone expected it to come like literally just a week later. I think as well when he misses that chance in the at one 0 you're probably thinking well it's not his day today. Mm. And you think obviously the header that went onto the bar because like, I'll I'll be, I'll be honest with you because I'm down the other end of the goal I didn't realise how close that was and I, yeah. So. I'm I'm at that end, and I thought it was Laporte that edited it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I thought the keeper had pushed it onto the bar. So like, <laughs> how did we have this many thoughts in that short time? I don't know. Why doesn't it? Why do? You, why do you think he doesn't get the same plaudits of the likes of Shearer, Henri Cantona? Because he plays for City. Is it that simple? Pro- probably, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, we're not a kind of. Um, 
fashionable. Yeah, it's, it, it, I, I guess that's right. I, I think it is. I mean, if if imagine if you'd have had Sergio Aguero in, God forbid, one of those like you know double treble winning United teams or in the Arsenal Invincibles team or something like that, you'd be they'd be going absolutely bananas about him. They'd be going more bananas than 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 they've ever gone about anyone before, probably. Um, I, mean, I I think I think part of it as well though is that not all footballers are kind of regarded in that way anymore. There's there's I think there's there was a bit of a cult of football back then as well where play like where individual players were held up a lot more. Do you not know think? Like like Cantona wasn't that good, but like he's just blown all out of proportion because of the cult of personality and because Aguero's like kind of quite unassuming, quiet quite quiet. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think um, with Aguero for me, it's kind of like the 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 the. the the thing that I've seen really over the last 18 months is kind of like, could you imagine that if we'd have had Pep Guardiola coaching him at 23, 24 and we'd have had this this Sergio Aguero for seven, eight years? I mean, he's always been good, but I mean, he's just absolutely flying at the moment. He's he's playing like I've never seen him play before. Um, and and you, it seems really, really, really crazy to say it, but you, you almost kind of... Even in a weird way, there's almost like still that little bit still. of a missed opportunity with him. Like he could have been better. He could have been better. I've been saying for years and years he can be better. He can be better. He can be better. And now he's finally being that player. I think. I, I, the, the the scary thing is, is he looks like he still might have a bit more in him as well. Like he looks like yeah. at the minute this is at the start of a purple patch, not like the middle of a purple patch. And the biggest compliment I could pay him, it's like he's like a hybrid of his younger self and Tevez now, like with the work rate and his off the ball mm. work and stuff like that. I think there's just. There's just an extra hunger to him. Not saying that he wasn't before, obviously, but I mean, there's just an extra hunger to him that's he just giving he, him an extra edge at the minute. He doesn't feel like I always used to say about him. He was the type of player that could could only touch the ball three times in a game and get a hat trick. And he doesn't feel like I, that player anymore. I, but to be fair, I used to think that that was kind of an unfair kind of description of him. A lot of a lot of chances he used to make on his own. A lot, a lot of chances, especially especially under like Pellegrini and when when we were in really tight games under Mancini. Uh, maybe not so much when Pep came in first season, but he he created a hell of a lot for himself, and he he he, he, he like he he missed a fair few as well, and which is absolutely frightening when you think about it. Like I know we were joking about like the miss before and the one on the bar, but you think. His his you know minutes to go you know I don't know exactly what it is but it's the best in the Premier League the best uh, yeah, Premier League scene and and you just think you know it could have been better it's abs- it's freakish mm. like how good he is the whole kind of dropping deeper and linking things up now he's always done that a bit but he's never done it to the extent that he's doing it now and there was a short clip of him well just uh, of him just kind of hounding um, Jorginho off the pitch and basically booting him off the side of the pitch and, yeah and, that was lovely and and you never you never you never got that with him kind of um, and, until. Probably this last eighteen months, um, unless it was David Luiz. Unless it was yeah. David Luiz. I, know, well, I, 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 I can't, I, believe, I I can't it. believe he didn't boot it. Like if if you're Aguero and you've just scored that trick and it's like six <laughs> 0 I, I I fully expected him to just go right up to David Luiz and be right in his face. I wondered if that was why Guardiola took him off after <laughs> shortly after because like it clearly like you look at the coming games, you know, yeah. Schalke and, and Newport. He's not saving him for well, anybody in well, particular. Again, no. That comes back to me called a personality point because you could just imagine somebody else like just doing like you know the you know wavy arms in front of Luiz. <laughs> Um, just finally, before we move on from Aguero, I mean, Mike Dean could not help himself, could he? No. Right at the end of the game with that with, with the match ball. I didn't. I, well, I was saying to Tom before. I didn't like the match ball thing, but you know, as an absolute showman, Mike Dean is his his best work is out on the pitch, and that was a <laughs> that was a classic penalty. I I loved it. I was pointing at the ground myself in the same way in the ground, pointing at the seat in front of me. 
I loved it, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't like that messing about at the end. But you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's nice to see. I think kind of you know Mike Dean is, you know, likes to put himself as centre of attention. He was really, really. He was determined not to really book anybody at the start, wasn't he? I think it kind of felt like um, there was there was some booking opportunities that he was having none of, and, and he was he was desperate not to weirdly desperate not to, to, to show a red card. I don't think there was probably a red card foul in the no, game. No, there but... wasn't, but he's on his 99th, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah, I, so... I thought he'd was. I thought he be waiting to give his 100th in a big game like that, though. Send a lot of them off, that's what, it, that's <laughs> yeah. what I thought he'd do. Yeah. It's, it's nowhere going to come close. Mike Dean's best moment is celebrating the Aguero goal against QPR, though, isn't it? Like, have you ever watched that video back? I didn't know he'd done that. Oh right, so yeah. Mike Dean's a referee. I knew, I knew, in that he, game. I knew he booked Aguero because <laughs> right, he took watch, his shirt off. Right, watch watch the video back. Right, Mike Dean tears off. He's celebrating. He's gone absolutely <laughs> does nuts. It, does it, an, there's another one as well, though, isn't there? Where is, is it? Is it? Is it Spurs West Ham or something like that? It's Spurs Arsenal. He celebrates. He, he, play, he plays on and, and he run. He runs away, doesn't he? After the goal goes in and he's running away <laughs> like like he scored the goal, waving his hand in the he's air. He's celebrating his best advantage that he's ever played. Yeah, um, Will we just I'll, do a Mike Dean podcast. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I fear time has, has beaten us on Mike Dean. We need to move on. Uh, Raheem Sterling. It's been a few weeks since we've uh, last spoken about him properly. He's, he, I mean, he's developing so well on the left as well now compared to to, to the right as well, isn't he? He's got a nice little motor on him, hasn't he? The way that he just tore past Jorginho. It's just absolutely class I thought obviously he was he was brilliant all game um, again me and Tom were having an argument beforehand about whether he's going to be player of the year or not um, I think he'd probably be he'd be in my top three City players of this season but I don't think he'd be I don't think he'd be number one but it just goes to show considering the talent that we've got on show in, in the team how how good a season he's having especially when I don't think it's quite as good as last season's but you can see him maturing as a person and a player that he is just going to be something phenomenal in three years time he's, he just looks like he's going to be unstoppable I mean he's something phenomenal now yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Well, let's, let's the, get it right the criticism <laughs> always was he can't finish and you look at the goals he's scored yeah. okay a couple of them have been have been tappings he's got to get into those positions but you look at the first goal it took composure yeah that's not a tapping yeah. no I mean and and, and um he hit it hard as well. He didn't dawdle. He didn't mess around. He, the ball just came to him, and he was like, "Bang! This is going in." And and then that little uh, the little celebration, the little kind of synchronized celebration Ooh. with uh, Bernardo was just beautiful, wasn't it? Like, oh, it was just it's it was like it was like a FIFA <laughs> glitch. It yeah, took, yeah. <laughs> it took my breath away. <laughs> Very good. But no, but I mean, back to what you said originally, David, about about um, him playing on the left and being so effective on the left because that's always been something for me that where where I've seen you know uh, team a team where He's obviously going to be on that left-hand side. I've been like, we're not making the most of his talent there, but now he can he can do it. You don't care, do you? It doesn't just, matter. It, as he's long as he's in that front three, you're yeah, fine. He's sensational. And, and like, I don't know exactly at what point the various different Player of the Year awards are voted for, and I don't just mean cities. I mean the big one. But I mean, um, if City were to go on and win the title, um, and he continues in the vein that he's in, I, I think for me he's probably been the best player in the Premier League this year. I mean, Bernardo might. I have something but, to say about but, that. But, but Bernardo and Laporte and, and Sterling, it's between them three for me. Well, I, I, we talked also last week about uh, about City being a bit passive after scoring the opening goal. Um, that wasn't a necessity against Chelsea. They just kept scoring in the first half. They actually had five shots in the first half and scored four of them. Uh, the one they missed was the easiest of the lot with Aguero. At, at that point, it could have felt like, actually, you know what? Same old story, seeing this again. Get Go ahead, miss a few chances, concede an equaliser against the run of play. But what what changed for City in that game? Why why did they look so much more composed? Uh, I, I this is gonna this is gonna sound daft compared to the slagging that we get. I genuinely think the atmosphere made a difference on Sunday. Like every, everyone in the ground seemed bang up for it, and 
they didn't feel like any of that apprehension. I, I, obviously, people were like, it, you know, you were looking around at shocked faces all over the show and Aguero missed, but it felt like, no, we're at this, we're going to do this today. It didn't feel like there was going to be a lull or that was like going to be a, a massive defining moment or anything like that. But it just felt like everyone, certainly like in in our part of the ground, at least in in the south stand, everyone was just absolutely bang up for it, and the atmosphere to me made a, made a massive difference. I think you're right, and I think you know you you can you can look back at the Liverpool game and say absolutely the same thing there mm. because in 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 previously in games um, where we've gone in front and we've been pegged back or whatever, then you know it's not been quite that 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 same level of encouragement coming from the stands. But um, yeah, I mean. It, there's, there's just something about Chelsea, though, isn't there? It does feel like quite a big game when you play Chelsea. Yeah. It's like so, some of my favourite moments come against that, like the Nasri goal and one title yeah. the first time when we beat them. We beat them 3-0 first game of the season one year under Pellegrini. Um, you know, it does feel like games against them are, are massive um, and they're enjoyable when you win, obviously. Well, I mean, certainly enjoyable when you stick six past them. It's City's biggest result against them for quite some time. It's enjoyable <laughs> when you 4-0 up after 20 minutes and David Luiz is absolutely losing his mind running around the place trying, <laughs> trying, trying to get as far away from his defensive teammates I, as possible. When it, when it was 4-5-0, and five nil, I really, really, really wanted us to get six because even with all the trophies and everything like that, one of my most enjoyable seasons was the Sven season. And they did it to us. And, <laughs> and they batted us 6-0 when we were in the middle of a good run and I was like, just get six, just get six because, you know, it felt like it could have been 10 at the weekend. Yeah, um, I want to talk about uh, Kevin De Bruyne as well because he's he's still looking a little bit short of, of fitness, which you can kind of understand with the, the seriousness of the injuries he's had this season. Um, you look at that that opening goal though; it was his quick thinking that that set up the goal with a free kick. I half fit Kevin De Bruyne is still better than ninety five percent of players in in the world, really, probably more. There's there's still going to be a couple of big moments to come from De Bruyne this this season before before we're done, isn't there? Like he's going to score some big goals. He he he, he likes scoring in big games, so there is some more to come from him. But I, I I would just wonder whether we're not really going to see him properly back at it until next season, just now. because of the injuries. Yeah, and and you know he didn't have a he didn't have the summer break, did he? he? You know he was at the World Cup, played all the games. Did he get to the to get to the semis? I can't remember Belgium. They played yeah, they played the England semi, yeah. in the third fourth playoff. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So um, you know, he had no, he had no break over the summer. Then he had that injury early, and then he came back and he's injured again, and, and he hasn't looked quite right since. And 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 you know, all right, make all the jokes we want about um, Pep Guardiola sending his players off to Spain for special injections and all the rest of it, but there the, there might be a feeling that like he might have brought him back too early. Um, if it's not this time, then one of the previous times, and so they need to get him right. So they need to give him some time. But yeah, but uh, like. I- I know what you're saying for next season, but like part of me is thinking if you, if you get him right for the last like say four or five games of this season, if I'm not as say I I agree I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it's just I'm hoping that we get him back for you know a, a, back to the Kevin De Bruyne a little bit sooner because he didn't have he didn't have by his own incredibly high standards a very good game against Chelsea. Not that we you know we needed him to because obviously we smashed him, um, but he just. He he's assumed the role of the leader of that team now, and even when he wasn't at his best at the weekend, he looked like he was leading the team. There's games where they've, they've where they just fell off and they had that like, dodgy spell. You could tell they were really really missing him. They're missing that leadership and that personality on the pitch. That Leon game in home, I think you know the, that first Champions League game. I, I kind of like was watching that and just thinking, there's there's somebody needs to grab this by the scruff of the neck, and, and it, it would open, be him. It would normally be him. It would absolutely be him. Um, but 
it's the rhythm as well because he needs to be playing week in, week out, week in, week out, I think, to get back into that rhythm and, and, and get that fitness back. So whether he'll get the opportunity to do that or because they're going to be playing so many games that they're going to have to rotate. Like, I mean, if if you could, if they were only had the Premier League left to play for, like, then, you know, he'd be playing every week and then probably kind of he'd, he'd get that rhythm a bit better. And, but I don't know. Um, we'll see, won't we? But like I say, I'm sure that he's got he's got some some goods left in him before the season's out, definitely. What do you make of Ilkay Gundogan, Kieran? Um, he gets he gets a lot of stick, I think, from City fans. But I thought he was great against Chelsea. Yeah, I I, th- I thought he was really good. Um, I think I think I think he does get stick, and I think he gets more stick than what he deserves. But at the same time, you can see at times where it comes from. But I think he is really underrated by a lot of our fan base. When you you, you know you think in terms of class. And and what he brings and what he, the way that he moves around the pitch and the way that he advances it, because, but because he's not David Silver, and he's playing in a similar position, then fans expect like a clone of Silver every time he steps out in that position, and you, and you're just not going to get that. And I think it's an unfair expectation on him. Um, I think you know he's a different sort of player for a start, um, but I I think he's really good. Um, but I I think he's not got that much left on his contract, has he? Um, and a bit worried that he might be running that down because I think it's not this summer. I think it's next summer. He's he's out of contracts, which I I I think certainly for the role that he plays in the squad at the minute, I think you'd want to renew that. Do you think, uh, Tom? Do you, do you worry that that fans will see him as either, like Kieran says, a replacement for David Silva or a holding midfielder like Fernandinho when he's he's kind of he's not either. No, he isn't. He he, he isn't either. But um, I I look at Gundian and I just think right. Tell tell me like a midfield in a, like a top ten European team that he wouldn't play regularly in, and, and I don't think that one exists. I think he played regularly at Barcelona. I think Barcelona would take him. Mm. I think he played regularly at Real Madrid. I think they would take him. Liverpool would certainly take him. Like you're under for him. I think yeah, it would yeah. be a massive um, improvement on anything they've got in central midfield. Um, but yeah, it's that suffer by comparison type thing. I mean, you know, when you've got Silver and De Bruyne kind of striding around the place, it is difficult to be as impactful. But um, I, I, I think I would probably trust him with a football ahead of any other player at City in terms of like his ability to just never give it away. Like he, and sometimes yeah, that's a little bit safer and and, and whatnot. But um, he's just so efficient and effective with the ball. Um, I want to talk about um, Edison as well because we, it's so often we talk about his, his ability with the ball and, and passing it around and what he brings to the to the defence when they when they they're trying to draw other teams out. Um, but we don't actually discuss his goalkeeping that often. He doesn't uh, he, he doesn't often need to do too much in a game. Um, okay, the score was four 0 at the time, but there was a couple of big saves in there. Yeah, the one the one from the volley I thought was that's just looked like a really good save. But then I thought the one on one was was yeah. Yeah, so much better. Oh, sorry, David. <laughs> sorry, it just, it, it just... I, I don't even know why you ask me questions about <laughs> Fine, all right. I'm just trying to be just, just yeah. Yeah, I thought he was shite, Dave. Go on, go for <laughs> He's shown that he that um, he absolutely can make those crucial saves when he needs to. Remember that double save that he made at Old Trafford, where one of them, one of them was with his face or whatever. We want to see. One oh, it was a belt of that. That 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 that, that save that he when he made at Palace was it? Where he pushed it onto the post, and you know, and he, and he saves one on ones, and he. Um, yeah, I mean he's the best goalkeeper in the league. I, I think he, I think he, he is individually the best goalkeeper in the league. But not only that, I think he's perfectly suited to what we need him to do. I thought that. I think that's the difference, though, because I, I think, I think there are better shot stoppers out there than him. 
I don't think that's just what a goalkeeper is nowadays. Exactly, though. I think what he brings to City, to how City play in their style, I think you wouldn't change him for anybody. No, but I think even even so, I think not just his like looking at his. I think he's up there with, as a really good shot stopper. I think the actually, I think his shot stopping's really really good. I think the only thing that you can potentially question him on is his rashness when the ball comes into the box and where he's given away a penalty a couple of times. But I think if you take away that rashness, I think you take away his absolute balls out confidence on, you know, confidence with the football ability. You've got to love a man who's uh, 90% tattoos as well. Um, it was a bold move to, to start with Alexander Zinchenko, do you think, Tom? Really surprising, actually, but kind of like nicely surprising because... Everybody loves a bit of Zinchi, don't they? And, and he's um, you, you can kind of see from um, the way he is with the other players how popular and, and um, you know liked he is around the club. And um, yeah, to, and with Delph you know disappearing off the face of the earth and Mendy being Mendy, like it's nice to see him get back in because I just remember there was a game last season. I can't remember. It might have even been the Liverpool game last season. We beat him five 0 where there was Zinchi and um, David Silva and Leroy Sane just running little triangles down the left hand side and absolutely ruining them. Um, so I'd like to see a bit more of that again. But yeah, nice to see him back in, definitely. What do you think City do about a left-back in the summer, Kieran? Uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm a, a, you know, for, for, for Mendy. But I think even so, I think Pep just seems to be losing his rag with him a little bit anyway. Um, you know, he likes, you know, quote-unquote schoolboys. Um, and Mendy's, you know, I don't, I don't think he's, you know... I don't think he's a big problem character or you know or, or anything like that but I think he's he's not exactly the personality type that that Pep Guardiola seems to like so I would expect us to sign a left back but I would have said I would have said the same thing last summer to have to buy a left back won't they at least one <laughs> I, I, I can see Mendy going honestly but but then the question is after basically being injured for two years who's going to buy him um but they, they need at least one left back and which sounds mad to say after they'd spent like however much like but the, the the Danilo signing was strange to me, and like I know he gets stick, and I think he's doing better than people give him credit for. But when we signed Walker, Danilo, and Mendy that summer, to me we should have been signing two left backs and Walker, because you've got other players that can potentially play right back. Like I know, like Stones can do it. Fernandinho, I know Fernandinho could play left back as well. But I mean, you know, he's he's right footed player. It just seemed mad to go for a backup right back, especially when at the time we had Mafio on the books that we could have kept for like one season. It, it it just seemed a really strange signing at the time. While we're on the left backs, what do you make of the Hong Kong Barcelona stuff from Mendy? It's nonsense, isn't it? I don't I don't really keep up to date with it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What what about you, Tom? You're on Instagram. Aren't you? <laughs> I'm not actually on Instagram. No, but um, I, it, it's just nonsense with him, isn't it? Like he just needs to keep his head down and get fit, and um, and 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 I can see why the people at the club and Pep would get a bit pissed off with him, um, really, because it's just concentrate on what's important, please, and play some football, please, and um, because we you know. Is that not a bit of a dad opinion, though? Maybe it is a bit, yeah, I like, but I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like I, I agree with you. But then when I think those things, I'm thinking, am I being, you know, a miserable old codger that just? Oh well, yeah, understand? you are because you're always being like. That, <laughs> but, but um, I mean, if posting on social media doesn't stop you getting fit, you know. No, I know it doesn't, but he just seems to he's be clowning around, isn't he? Like he's he likes to kind of he he he's a bit of a clown figure, isn't he? I think and. Just needs to take himself a bit more seriously. That's what I would yeah, say. Yeah, I'd say that's fair enough. 
Um, I'm, last player I want to talk about is uh, Bernardo Silva because uh, Casey, you were talking about him in, being in your your top three for the season. Um, his work ethic is like I have never seen of a player before. It's absolutely mint. I, I just absolutely love him. He's he's definitely the first name on the team sheet for me. I, he's brilliant in central midfield. He's brilliant in attacking central midfield. He's brilliant on the wing. He pops up on on the left as well as the right. I just like if. And we used to say Kieran's eyes ago. have glazed yeah. over for the benefit of the listeners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like we, we used to say it years ago about David Silver, but you just wish that you could clone him. He's just absolutely fantastic little player, and you know people forget how young he is. But the, there isn't a first touch in world football like his. It's absolutely unbelievable, especially off his chest. Like Laporte just fires it at him <laughs> miles away. It's it always feels like the port's going right. You control that. Have this one. See no, if you can do this one, and just hits it harder and harder. But, but it, yeah, it looks like it must hurt. Like he he does it that much and it just sticks to him like glue. It's absolutely brilliant. Made of Velcro. That's the yeah. That's what the beard's oh, for. No, no, apparently in his nickname in training, Bubblegum or something. Oh, it could be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently he's called Bubblegum. Yeah. It's. I mean, the other thing, Tom, that I noticed about him, his ability to either speed up play or slow it down and know when it's the right time to do one or the other. It's just like it's like David Silver in his prime. Yeah. It's it's. I have to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to. Um, suggests necessarily that that he's better than David Silver, but he's a bit of a David Silver plus because he can do kind of what David Silver does, but he does all that other stuff that Kieran's just said that he can do. And um, I, I, I love seeing him on the right hand side as well. You know, I, I do love that. It's funny, a lot of people don't. A lot of people prefer to see him in the middle. I, I like him wherever he plays. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it if it was up to me, I mean, I'd I'd be sitting down with him in the summer and signing him up to like a ten year contract or something. Because uh, actually, you said, did you say that going into the ground or coming out of the ground on Sunday? You said something like that to me. Yeah, that. yeah. I might how, how many did you had at the time though? That was the question. <laughs> one or two, David. One or two. <laughs> Just finally on the Chelsea game. Um, City have apologised for playing one step beyond at full time. Uh, should they have had to do that? No, the nobeds nope. for apologising. Absolute no, nobeds for apologising. We've been doing it for years. I was like, going to say, uh, I remember it in 2012. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been doing it for years. So uh, apologising is a load of nonsense. And if you're upset or offended by it, then football is not for you. You need to get out of the sport. I, I'm, I'm offended by the apology. Mad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> very last question then, because um, Sari stormed off down the tunnel. Uh, he said he didn't see Guardiola. Guardiola said he didn't see him. Um, do you believe that? No, but the the mates aren't they? So he's just covering up for him. But he's he's probably like just lighting up a crafty fag under yeah. his t shirt on the way down the tunnel, <laughs> wasn't he? His head's gone, hasn't it? There, like he's 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 just like I want to get the hell out of here. That, and and after you know, a six nil drubbing, you can kind yeah. of understand it, can't you? Six nil drubbing. <laughs> <laughs> Dearie me! Right, so we'll better move swiftly on after that. City have certainly sent out some messages in their bid to retain the Premier League title and become the first team to do that in a decade. Ahead of the win against Chelsea, I spoke to the chief football writer for the Sunday Mirror, Simon Mullock, to get his thoughts on the race for the crown. I think it's 2012 and 2014 all over again, um, which isn't a bad thing uh, for both City and the Premier League, really. Last year was great. I think every City fan would have loved seeing them post 100 points, shatter every record in sight. It was fantastic. It was history-making, brilliant, but... um, I don't want to see City winning or any club running away with a title every every single season and there's nothing better than winning it in the last week, the last game, the last kick like 2012 and 2014 so I'm really looking forward to it um, I think both City and Liverpool have shown weaknesses um, I think Liverpool look nervous, City look I thought against Everton they looked a little bit jaded but they got the job done 
Uh, Pep's getting his his full strength squad back now, so he can rotate a little bit more because there's, there's there's still a lot of games to play in all four competitions, hopefully. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to the end of the season. I think it will go right down to the the last couple of games. How do you think City are set to cope with four competitions? I mean, obviously the League Cup will be will be done and dusted soon, but then you know they, you look at the FA Cup run; they've got a good draw in that. They could end up quite far in the competition. The Champions League again, another good draw there. How crucial will it be for for City in this title race that they'll have all these other competitions going on? Yeah, I think it is an issue. Um, but City have got a great squad and most of the players are healthy or, or coming back to full fitness. Hopefully Mendy can, can get there eventually. Uh, that'll add another, you know, another body to the squad. Um, and we'll probably see Pep rotate quite a bit. I mean, I think the, the bonus from City's point of view is they could have had a lot worse draw than Schalke in the last 16 of the Champions League. Um, Newport will be tricky because of the, the state of the playing surface. But again, it's another game you would think City would be able to win. Uh, by rotating the squad, maybe not playing the, the, the you know their strongest team, so I think they've had a little bit of a look at the draw in, in certain ways. You know, Burton Albion, for example, in the Carabao Cup was was a dream when you think they could have drawn two games against either Chelsea or Tottenham. Um, so I think the draw for all the competitions has gone well. Um, it's just a case of, like I say. The players have got to keep fit. It's really important that they stay injury-free to give Pep that option that if he sees somebody who's maybe struggling with a little bit of tiredness, a little bit of fatigue, he's able to he's able to rotate and and, and use the players at his, his availability. What do you think of the pressure that the teams are under? Because we're talking every week now about playing first, playing second, you know, going head to head with Liverpool. It's different kinds of pressure each time. How do you think City are coped to, to kind of coping with that? Well, certainly Aguero, Silva. Um, Finney Company they've been there before when the pressure is cranked up right to the max and um, you've got to say Liverpool for all the trophies that they've won during the history this is new territory for them I think the only man who's won a title um, Anfield player wise is James Milner and obviously he won those with you know, in the blue shirt of City so um, I think there's more question marks to be asked about Liverpool than there are about City about whether they can get over the line Let's have it right as well. Jurgen Klopp's lost what his last six cup finals, so it's important for him that he gets a, a trophy on the board. Um, and obviously, the Premier League and the Champions League are the only two that are they're open for him now. Because let's be fair, it, Liverpool, for want of a better word, sacrificed the two domestic trophies so that they could concentrate on the on the, the two big ones. And listen, that's if they win the league at the end of the season, that that will be seen as as, as great management. Um, but yeah, the pressure's on now, and the different. But the difference this year is, it's come earlier. You know, normally the pressure is the last five, six games of the season. We're talking about the pressure getting to teams in January, which you know, squeaky bum. I don't know whether it's uh, global warming, but squeaky bum time has come a lot, a lot earlier this season. So um, yeah, the pressure's on right from the. You know, it, it, it's right up to the max now, and it's 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 just going to be. I think it's just going to be tit for tat right the way through the season. Pep was just asked about whether it's an advantage playing uh, playing first, and a few people that I've spoken to about that, players who've been in this position, have said it is it is an advantage to be able to play first and try and put the pressure on the other team. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it, it's going to be one of those title races. I think that, that's going to go right to the wire. You mentioned before the hundred points last season. You look at, at what City and Liverpool are both projected to get near this season. Have they raised the bar? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think that's good for 
Premier League and English football as well because a lot of the criticism about City last year, I don't think City got got the the praise they deserved last year for what they did. Um, the criticism was, well, you know, they spent X amount of money, they should be winning trophies like this, you know, what do you expect? It's, it's nothing unusual. Um, the Premier League is going to turn into the French League, it's going to turn into the Italian League and credit to Jurgen Klopp and to some extent Maurizio Pochettino, they have kind of picked up the challenge that Guardiola has thrown down and, and you know, and lifted their, as you put, lifted the bar. I think both Spurs and Liverpool deserve credit for that and the good thing as well is um, I think that in the in the final few weeks of the season, when it really the pressure really is, as I say, cranked right up to the max, we'll see what this city team team are made of as well because they were under absolutely no pressure last season. Um, the only pressure that they had on them was what they put on themselves to try and break all the records that they did eventually achieve. So I think um, it'll be intriguing to see how City react as well. Uh, like I say, they've got players who've been there and done it before. So they've got that experience to call on. But I mean, Pep, for example, he's actually said that every t- time he's won the title with either Bayern Munich or Barcelona and City last year, he's always been sort of leading from the front. So in a way, you know, there's a little bit of a new test for for, for Pep to, to overcome as well. So I think it's I think it's great. Um, you know, it's it's exactly what what fans want. They want to see this. You know, they want to see it go down to the wire again, in, in, as it did in 2012 and 2014. And hopefully, they'll be from City's perspective, there'll be the same outcome. For a pledge of two dollars a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of City topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Simon Mullock chatting to me there. Now it's time to have a look ahead at the coming games against Schalke and first Newport. So we've got a guest with us for the uh, for the Newport game. Reese Warren is from the 1912 Exiles podcast. Reese, um, I mean, after after what looks like a good start to the season, just looking at the results, it seems to have been a difficult few months for Newport. How, how are you faring up at the moment? Yeah, I think ever since we had the, the third round draw against Leicester, our, our league form has has dipped a bit, um, but start of the season we were predicted mid-table, and um, I think that's kind of where we're looking at finishing. We've got a couple of games in hand um, with the teams around us. Last night was a, a difficult loss to take against MK Dons. We were the better side, and uh, we just didn't take our chances. So, yeah, I think the FA Cup run has become the focus for us this season now. I mean, all, all that being said, it, it, it doesn't look like uh, like Newport are scared of an upset this season. Because I mean, what what's made it so hard for Leicester and, and Middlesbrough so far at Rodney Parade? Um, I think it's a proper old-fashioned ground, so it might not have the the comforts that modern Premier League players expect when they get there. Um, it's quite uncomfortable. Middlesbrough really played into our hands. They played a lot of straight balls over the top to us. Um, which we dealt with pretty comfortably. I think where we've struggled, and I think it's a worry coming to play Man City, is we've struggled with teams that run at us. Um, and with the talent you guys have got, um, it could really be a problem. What sort of team are you expecting, Kieran, from from, from City's end? Because you, you look at, at how City are faring in the Premier League. They're obviously going up against Liverpool for the, for the title. They've got uh, the Champions League back on the horizon. You know, going away to a, a team in a lower league, you'd expect some changes. Um, I think... I think most people would expect a lot of changes, but I reckon he'll probably play Foden, and then aside from that, it'll be a pretty strong team, um, because he has taken the FA Cup pretty seriously. 
Um, and especially when you look at the two sides that he played against uh, Burton Albion in the um, in the in the Carabao Cup, um, he he doesn't seem to want to like rotate all that much. Um, whereas you would expect, um, I say, no disrespect, Reese, that when you're playing a team from from um, from the fourth tier, that you'd expect quite a few a few rotations. Uh, I don't know what what are you expecting, Tom. I think it'd be a strong side. I think it, I think um, Sergio might get a rest. Um, Mares might come in. Foden might come in, but it, it's going to be first team players. You're not you're not looking at something like I mean, KC mentioned the second leg against uh, a, 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 um, Burton, where they, there was a, 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 a much larger contingent of youth players than there was in the first leg. You're not expecting something but, like that. No. But even so, there wasn't as many as you would have expected, and we were nine 0 up. Like I think you might see Garcia on the bench, but I don't think your team's starting. I think you'll see Otamendi and one of another playing at centre half. Um, I, you'll see Zinchenko, but you know you've seen how well he played against Chelsea at the weekend. Reese, you mentioned the uh, the um, setup of Rodney Parade. What what's the pitch been like? Because there's been a lot of lot of talk about it being uh, about if it gets wet, it could be a bit problematic. Um, so it's a big improvement on where it was uh, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, so when the WRU took over the uh, the Newport Dragons, who were the rugby team who owned the ground, they put a hybrid pitch in. So it's standing up a lot better now to uh, to the conditions. But we've had a lot of rain recently. During the Middlesbrough game, it got very wet. Um, but it's holding up better. But I'm hopeful that bobbly pitch will will maybe help us out a little bit. I was going to say, do you do you look at? I mean, there's two sides to this coin, I suppose. You you look at, at how um, how Burton fared against City, and and you must wince in that in that respect. But also, you can you see last season Wigan caused City some problems on a dodgy pitch. So does that give you any sort of hope? Um, I think so. I think um, it stops Man City being able to play free flowing football um, to a certain extent. It's it's not a terrible surface, um, to be honest. It's if you'd seen it a few seasons ago, it, it was literally like a beach with the amount of sand they'd put down. Um, but yeah, it's certainly a, a factor that plays in our favour, I think. Tom, does it, does it concern you that, that City might not be able to pass the ball as much as they like to? Ultimately, I think, no, not that much. I, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the players um, have shown that they're, they're capable of um, doing the business in pretty much any conditions under under the greatest of pressure and in, in mostly any circumstances and they'll they'll find a way. I, it, it, yeah, it might not be um the easiest on the eye and I'm sure that um the atmosphere is going to be absolutely banging. So it'll be it should be a really good cup tie in in, in one sense, but I, um I still think City, you know, will have too much. Do you, I mean, you look at how Leicester played there. Does that does that concern? I didn't see that game. It's not seen the game. <laughs> uh, they weren't very good, right? Yeah, ultimately, yeah, yeah. Newport put them under a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I, I watched a bit of the Leicester game, and um, and New, Newport were were very good. Um, and as I say, uh, Mike Flynn seems to hold himself pretty well, you know, for the for the cameras at least. Anyway, I don't know why he's like week to week. Um, but like, it's th- this isn't. This isn't their first time playing a big team. Like was it last year or the year before when they played Spurs and gave them a right good go? So um, I, I don't expect. I say I don't. I don't expect it to be easy. But at the same time, with the form that we're in, I think we're dismantling Premier League teams pretty easily at the minute. So, Reese, what do you make of City's recent form? Um, it's pretty scary from a from a Newport point of view. To be honest, uh, absolutely demolished Chelsea last weekend. Um, and they've gone and got themselves right back in the in the title race when Liverpool have been slipping up. 
And just the wealth of talent, even if they do make a lot of changes, the players they're bringing in are still full internationals a lot of the time. Um, and I think it, it's going to be a tough one for us to get a result. But like you said, we got got a draw at home against Tottenham last year. We beat Leeds at home last season and then Leicester and Middlesbrough this year. Um, so we've got we seem to favour the cup competition. I, it's a strange question to ask this in, I, I suppose, in many ways. But are, are you kind of half confident about it? Um, I think you, you've got to believe that anything is possible, but Man City are champions of England for a reason. Um, they've, their spending power is something that we can only only dream of. I think one player's weekly wage is probably close to our annual turnover. So, um, yeah, I think it's hard. It's going to be a tough game for us to get through, but I think we've we've shown we can do it before. So I think we've got every reason to try and get something out of the game. Right, well, when we do the uh, charity bet a bit later in the show, we'll, uh, we'll need a prediction from you. I'm going to give mine over to you, Reese. So uh, so let's have a prediction for the game. What's uh, what's your scoreline? Um, I'm going to go for Newport 2-1. Uh, I'll I tell you what, if that comes off, um, I, and, you know... I, I'll I, give you the money myself, well, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, Nobody in the studio will be happy about it, but it'll be our biggest ever win on the podcast. It's uh, it's 55-1, to 1, so it's uh, 550 uh, quid if you're right on that one. So uh, I, I'd say fingers crossed, but I honestly don't mean it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Reese, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us this week. Uh, thank you very much for having me. So time to move on and have a look at the game with Schalke now. And uh, we've got a guest for this one as well. Joining us from the FC Schalke podcast is uh, Jack Mangan. Jack, how, how's it going for Schalke this season? Well, uh, not particularly great. Domenico Tedesco is very much in the midst of his difficult second album, if you'll allow the expression. And, uh, you know, he really burst onto the scene last season, uh, relatively unknown quantity and had a very successful season taking Schalke to second place Champions League qualification finishing ahead of rivals Dortmund but uh currently wallowing in the depths of the Bundesliga table sitting around 14th at the moment now it's uh, it was seen as the easiest draw for City KC I mean it's uh, how confident are you feeling about it uh, I'm 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 pretty confident um you know I, I still remember was it uh, 11 years ago we played Schalke and uh, we had a brilliant result away there, didn't we? Stephen Island. Stephen I remember in that bright orange kit. Oh, yeah. Benjani as well was up front. Which <laughs> done at the back. Those, 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 those are the true glory days. So I've, I've, got, I've got fond memories of Schalke, to be honest with you. And obviously, I've got the Sane connection. Um, Nastasic so. is there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling quite positive towards it because... Um, uh, I say, forgive me if I'm completely wrong, but they don't strike me as a particularly defensive side. They were fairly competent defensively last season. Uh, they've they've struggled in that department more this year, although they've struggled in pretty much every area of the pitch more this year than they had last season. I want to say in the league last year they conceded something like 37, and currently on match day 21 they've conceded 32, so close to last year's tally, only a little bit like halfway through the season or so. So um, definitely more leaky at the back than they had been. What 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 does Schalke have that that City should worry about? That's a good question. Uh, not a whole lot, in in my opinion. Um, one of the storylines uh, last year, sort of under the surface, despite the success that was taking place, was that um, a lot of Schalke's goal scoring was coming from uh, set piece opportunities, free kicks, corner kicks, uh, and a large number of penalties that they converted 100% of. Um, but their offense, in terms of breaking down teams from open play, was actually lacking quite a bit last year, and um, that has continued to be the case. This season, although you know those those set piece opportunities have dried up 
to some extent. So they they definitely struggle um, uh, on the offensive end, and, and th- I mean, there's a number of reasons for that in terms of players that have left and everything. But um, if if I guess what I would say is our most dangerous player creatively is probably Daniel Caligiuri at the right back position. Um, if he can get forward and get into wide areas and and deliver some dangerous balls that could potentially cause uh, Man City problems, but he hasn't been able to get forward into those areas with as much regularity uh, this season, partially because of a, I think, a, a system change to a, uh, you know, a two center back system uh, as opposed to three last season. And because of that, he's been pinned back quite a bit um, and having to do uh, more defensive work. And I would imagine that would be the case against Man City with how high Pep likes to play those, those wingers. Music to the ears, Tom. Uh, depends who plays at left back, doesn't it? Really, because if he's if he's dashing up the right hand uh, side, and I don't know if I don't know if we've got Zinchi Strider, Zinchenko at left back. But um, I, I mean, it it seems to me that um, City should um, over two legs have too much. I've not seen anything of Schalke at all, but it'd be nice to see Nastasic again. Well, I was gonna. One thing I wanted to ask about: City fans don't get up that easily for the Champions League. Now it's the knockout stages. Is that going to change? Are you asking me if I'm going? <laughs> no, I'm not asking you if I'm going. I'm, I'm asking you. You're asking the two wrong people. Here, aren't you? Um, uh, it it it, do, it, do, it does liven up more in the knockout games. Of course, it does. You know, the the the, the feel of a knockout competition is very very different to kind of the slog of kind of the group stages. And and, um, and who knows if if you know um, it's in the balance going into the the home leg. Then yeah, you might get a good atmosphere at City for the home for the home game, and and it's a knockout cup. So you know anything can happen. Plus, um, it's 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 not even just that. It's like Schalke aren't what they want, like, like what they once were. But obviously, they've come off the back of a good season last year. But you know, it's it's only within the past ten, fifteen years they've had a Champions League semi final themselves. So it's not you know it's not like the you know no marks in the competition or whatever. Are you knocking City's Champions League semi final from a couple of years ago though that they slept walk to? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. We've we we've got one and they've got one, haven't they? You know, if you think about it in those kind of credential terms. What I will say is that uh, at that point when Schalke last reached a Champions League semifinal, they had Raul at striker, and currently our most dangerous attacking option is an 18-year-old academy product by the name of uh, Katucci, who's only really been on the scene for about two or three matches at this point. So I was, uh, just, try- I was, I was just trying to be nice, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, how, I mean, how was, uh, we, we talked earlier about Leroy Sané. How's, how's he viewed uh, over there? Pretty favorably. Um, I, I don't think a lot of Schalke supporters hold significant grudges against uh, players that that go for greener pastures. Um, It's just the way it is at this point. Schalke is a selling club. Even a club like Dortmund is a selling club. Unless you're a Man City, a Man U, uh, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, a Bayern Munich, um, you really can't hold on to your players in in today's, you know, footballing world where money drives everything. So um, I think we'll just be happy to have him back at the Veltons Arena, and hopefully uh, he's not the one torching us. And uh, Tom mentioned uh, that it'd be nice to see Nastasic again. How's he been doing since uh, since he signed for Schalke? You know, he doesn't have a lot of standout performances, but I don't particularly think he lo- makes a lot of mistakes. Um, he's kind of a quiet figure. Um, as long as he's healthy, he used to, you know, he's a pretty solid, reliable uh, figure back there. But I definitely don't think he's you know considered to be an elite center back or anything like that. Okay, so it's the it's the midweek before the League Cup final. Is that going to uh, change Guardiola's thinking somewhat, or is it just going to be, or is he from here on in just just going to be pick I, your strongest team, I, I, pick I, your strongest I, team? I, I think he's going to pick a variation of his strongest. Uh, I think it, it, out of a core of about fourteen, fifteen players, is just going to be what he's going to pick from now until the end of the season. 
and especially in the Champions League, is definitely that I, I think that mo, mo, won't be most fans' priority. It'll be the league, but I think Guardiola's priority will be the Champions League. Tom, like, I mean, the, the mixture of competitions now. The, the, once the League Cup's done and dusted, it's three competitions that that you kind of want to win. I think he wants to win them all, or at least go as far as possible in all of them. And I think most City fans, if not all City fans, do as well. Uh, but but I'd, I'd say KC's right. I'd, I'd, I think um, what you might not see and what you saw perhaps more last season was what you might consider to be City's best eleven playing in the league week in, week out. So David Silva, De Bruyne, Fernandinho midfield, and then the three up front, you know. Um, I don't think you're going to see like that kind of front six, if you like, playing regularly week in, week out. There is going to be more rotation. Gundian's going to play more. You know, Mares is going to get some games, but they'll kind of find their way through winning games by doing that. I'm sure they will. They might, they're not going to win them all, but um, I think that's 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 what we're going to see over the next kind of you know three four months. Just before we move on to some predictions, Jack, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, Ravi Matondo as well, because he's, I mean, he, he never made the first team over at City, but uh, obviously the, a big money move to Schalke uh, has just gone through in the winter window. What, what, I mean, he's obviously not played that many games. What do you make of him? Yeah, it was a big money move, particularly for um, you know, a young man who hasn't really played a whole lot of first team football. Uh, but if there's one area that Schalke is not particularly deep in, it's definitely that winger position. Uh, really, the only person you could point to at this point would be, you know, Yevon Konoplyanka, who is um, a very, very, very poor man's Ian Robin. <laughs> um, uh, just because all he can do is really cut inside, but he doesn't score the goals that Robin does doing that. Um, so it, definitely a, a useful reinforcement in that area. Uh, I think he came on for the first time in a 2-0 loss to Gladbach, but that was after we had gone down to 10 men via red card, and so, I mean, he barely got on the ball. Most of what he was doing was just trying to press defensively. Um, I think it would be interesting if they if they played him against Manchester City, um, uh, and hopefully he can be uh, Might know <laughs> somewhat, a few effect, somewhat effective. I mean, like, we, it'd, be, it'd be kind of funny if, if Schalke was able to, uh, you know, trade wingers with, with City, right, Sané and, and Matondo. Right, well, uh, nobody saw the 6-0 against Chelsea coming, so we stay on £738 for the season in the charity bet. William Hill has given each of our panel a £10 correct score single on City's games, with the winnings going to the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester. Uh, we've already heard from Rhys on uh, Newport County. He reckons Newport 2, City 1, which is 55-1 to 1 and £550 if he's right. Uh, Tom, what are you having for, uh, for uh, Newport? I've gone 4-0 City. 4-0 City is 11-2, to two, that's £55. KC? Uh, in honour of uh, Mario Balotelli, I've gone 6-1 to City. 6-1 is 25-1, uh, to one, so 250 quid if you're right. So that brings us on to, to Schalke. Uh, we'll start with you, Jack. What are you having? I'm going to do 4-1 City. 4-1 City is 16-1, to one, so that's £160. Tom? Uh, not too far away, 3-1. 3 1 is 9 to 1, so 90 pounds. KC? I like how Jack's way more positive than we are. I've gone 2 1 to <laughs> 2 1 is a meagre 15 to 2, so 75 pounds if you're right. You've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, visit begambleaware.org. Jack, thank you very much for uh, for joining us for this, uh, for this episode of the show. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Right, so we've just heard how Rabi Matondo is getting on in Schalke, and there's been plenty of opportunities for City's youth players recently in the first team at City too, and you suspect the same could be said of the coming game with Newport. I've been catching up with our EDS expert, Sean Blinkhorn, starting with Matondo's move overseas. I think it's a good deal. I think it's a good deal for City, not just in the short term, but in the long run as well. The, uh, well, this is as long as the, the rumours of the buyback are true, even, even if it is a lot of money. I, I came on the podcast at the start of the year and said the buyback is is going to be the way that City move forward um, if you think it's uh, anywhere between 10 and 15 million that they've paid for him 
with potentially a 50 million buyback that's nothing for for 35 million to bring a player back who may be that sort of quality in in the longer term the the main issue one thing that I, I that doesn't really match up with what I said at the start of the season is that he's not club trained which is a bit of a shame he'd have to come back li- literally 2 years from now um in order to get his extra half a year that is a shame but it's it's to avoid another Sancho situation, which you can understand. Sancho's gone from strength to strength almost instantly, really, after moving. And even if we do um, kind of lose the the club trained aspect of it, we still let the let the player go, not not let him get angry and wound up sat on our bench doing nothing with goodwill and hopefully you know with the view to hopefully bringing him back in the future so I don't think it's all doom and gloom despite the fact that it does look a bit iffy on the on the face of it that he's uh, another player's left the fee wasn't uh, insignificant in in that uh, you know it was double figures in millions of pounds for for essentially a player that's never featured in the first team yeah I mean as I said as I said a a little while ago the academy model at the minute it's making so much money it's it, it's unreal um that that figure that I that I peddled a month ago the 77 million you imagine what it is now with Diaz and and, and Matondo added to it all of a sudden we're making an awful lot of money for very little uh risk let's say these these young players aren't on the field to uh, potentially uh, mess up and and ruin a, a a title bid or anything like that and we're getting an awful lot of money back for it um so on the face of it, you know, we're losing young players. We're not getting, you know, we're getting lots of stick for it, and everybody, nobody wants to, everybody wants to come here to start with and not stay. But we're making an awful lot of money off the back of it. I was going to say the the kind of angle that that City will be attacked for with this is that they can't keep hold of the youth players. And you know, Caldoun has spoken recently about wanting to to have that model of of getting to the first team from the academy. But ultimately, is this just a way of how City's academy will work from now on in? Just kind of. You know, come in and we'll get you a good career in football. Well, I've always said that the turnaround for for actual players into the first team is such a low amount. You're looking at the same sort of percentage of of college football players that make it to the NFL. It's you know it hovers around one and a half two percent. It's that's the type type of percentage we're looking for players that actually make the way into our first team. I'd, there's no there's no real model to follow I don't think of of genuine success on the back of other than other than the obvious class of 92 nonsense but in general it's you know it's an exception rather than a rule you don't promote a load of kids bam you win all the trophies it's we're going for something else and I can I can kind of see where they're coming from with that obviously the the well what you'd want from it is you'd want a, a, a team full of kids but the reality is one or two over the next couple of years will probably be you know is probably the bar um like i say the, the club are making that much money off the academy at the minute i doubt they'll care very much that we've only got one or two three or four uh, debutants in the in the first team over the last few months Let's talk about the last few months because there's been some opportunity for uh, for some of the young players there. Um, let's start with with those who are a little bit more established because uh, Murich has had quite a bit of game time in the cup. So has Eric Garcia. Um, how, how have you felt they've done? The pair of them have kicked on really well. Uh, I think Arrow Arrow is plain to see why people were calling him Little Edison at the start of this year. He, he's so calm on the ball. He does a really uh, good impression of of Edison's 
two players bearing down on him. Simple little pass through the middle, straight to straight to feet. He does a really good impression of that. Uh, and then on the goalkeeper side, he's played seven senior games now this season, and he's he's conceded one goal, which includes a game for for Kosovo, a game for Nak, and uh, five for us. So uh, it was uh, my, it was Al Brighton at Leicester, that, the screamer. So it, you know he's 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 kicking on really well. I still think it's a huge call whether he plays him or not in the League Cup final. That is, I'm you know I'm getting. Do you believe in Pantillimon vibes from that one? I mean, it's I was going to say, what do you rate his chances on that? Because I mean, Guardiola's not—he's one to kind of stick to his guns on this sort of thing, isn't he? Yeah, but we thought that of, we thought that of Mancini at the time. It, it I think he—I think he's deserved it. Whether he'll actually go through with it is—he's trying to get inside Guardiola's head, and you know, you could be there, <laughs> you could be there all day trying to do that. Um, but yeah, still, I think that is a huge call. Having a—you know—we've had—we've had a succession really of really. Uh, successful uh, backup goalkeepers in in this sort of competition, but somebody this age, I think he's still twenty, is kind of new ground for City. So I don't know. I don't know yet whether he'll do it. I hope he does. And uh, there was a couple of debutants as well in uh, in, in the second Burton game. What, what did you make of, uh, especially some of the uh, some of the likes of uh, Perveda and uh, Nemecha? Uh, very surprised to see Perveda start. He really has come on in the last couple of years. Uh, he had a, he had a kind of slow start to his his younger. His younger life at City. Um, I was quite shocked to see him start, but it kind of makes sense if you factor in the fact that Diaz had left. That's probably the spot that Diaz would have would have taken up if he hadn't decided to uh, uh, go abroad. Uh, I thought he was quite good in his debut. He kind of shows what he's about a little bit. He's just a, you know a kind of flary, cut inside winger on the wrong side from what he'd like to have been. Really, I think he's more of a cutting from the right kind of kind of kid. But like I say, you, you, can, you can kind of see flashes of what he's all about, um, getting slightly more comfortable as they, as they moved in. The other debutant on that day was, of course, Felix Nmetcher, and I've spoken about him before. Um, it was, I thought it was a really good cameo, again, showing off kind of the intricacies of his game really well to a, to a much wider audience than would have normally seen him. I think he, I think he looks the part, Felix. He's got a remarkable ability to be completely unfazed by any step up in his career. He came on and he's trying little flicks and he's passing out as if you know, as if he's played in the first team for years. It was, uh, it was fantastic, really. It was a really good start. Um, yeah, so he's a tidy passer with a good brain. He's strong, quick. He's, you know, he's got elements of flair and technique. He's, you know, to the point where. I do think he'll be. I do think he should be in the team sooner rather than later. Why not? He, he's got it. As far as I'm concerned, the only thing watching him, I'm, I'm wondering whether he'd like to, given the choice, be selected as squad number forty-two. If you get my meaning, he, he, I think he's a, an absolute ringer for a young Yaya Torre. Um, it'd be really good to see him in the team as, as soon as possible uh, with a few more opportunities. <laughs> Hear all of our City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Sean Blinkhorn there talking about the EDS. Now it's time for Ask the Panel. Send your questions in for next week at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter or you can email via the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. William Gould has been in touch through the emails to ask, do you think it's unreasonable for the UEFA president to include City in criticism that Guardiola didn't go to the VAR summit and sent Brian Kidd instead, especially when they had a crucial game at Everton two days later? And I'm going to uh, going to put on the next question with that as well because Sasha Kendrick emails in to ask, should Guardiola have made more of an effort to go to the VAR meeting since it will affect 
expect City's games in the Champions League from now on. So, I mean, certainly it, it, you can see it's divided opinion whether City should have, whether Guardiola should have gone to the summit or not. He didn't go in the end. What do you make of that? Uh, well, me and Tom have just looked at each other amused because I don't think either of us knew it was on. No, I did know, but um, I mean, the, <laughs> I did. Sim- I'll be honest. The simple answer to that is like, um, see, I, I had my head in the game. I was focused on Everton. <laughs> <laughs> it's a load of fuss and nonsense about absolutely nothing, isn't it? Like, but, I mean, they've I, sent Brian Kidd, so yeah. like, someone, someone has been there. In, to in many see ways, what's going Brian on. Kidd is um, Pep's superior. Like, do you know what I mean? He's been at the club longer. He is. Probably... He is. He is the elder statesman. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, and you know, I trust Brian Kidd with anything. Well, on top of that, it's going to be Guardiola who moans about. The, the way that VAR is executed on the pitch and he's not been there to see so the So what was the, the, the actual conference? Was the actual it, was, th- it was a briefing about this is how it's going to be used. Right, yeah, but that's okay. a briefing. That, that's not, it's not a debate or having any input, is it? But no, it, it, but if, if, you're, if, if Guardiola's going to be standing on the sidelines and demanding that this happens or that happens or, or shouting at the fourth official because this has been done or that's been done, if, if, if actually they've followed what's been in the briefing, then... If the, yeah, but is there is there not a video available of this thing, or is it just like Chinese whispers? You know, it's not it's, it's not ni- you know it's not nineteen sixty five or something like that where there's no recording or anything available. I, I, it seem obviously I'm I'm you know I'm flying by the seat of my pants here because I didn't even know it was a thing, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just seems like nonsense. It's pretty inconsequential, isn't it? Just on a on that point, then what what do you make of uh, the introduction of VAR to the the Champions oh, I, League, I, I, especially <laughs> especially given that uh, they've just done it midway through a season? Um, I disagree with VAR, and and I agree with VAR. <laughs> so the, the, this right, yeah, this, right. <laughs> this, <laughs> cracking up all time. We, 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 yeah, we've uh, we've we've spoken about this at length, haven't we? <laughs> I'm not going to start going on about it <laughs> because uh, because we, we literally could be here all night. But no, I mean I am. Um, if it if it's got to work properly, hasn't it? I mean, for me, it's if if it's matters of fact, then and we can use technology to rule on matters of fact, like goal line technology and stuff like that. Even like you know offside offside calls, yeah, potentially, but like some of the other stuff that's going to get turned upside down because of it. I'd rather it just football stay like it is. But like that a, is but a proper Yadar yeah, yeah, opinion. Yeah, 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 now. But, yeah but, fo- but but like stone stonewall penalties. And and things like, say for example, like you're ruling out for example, right? So Di Michaelis fouled Messi outside the box. That is that is a matter of fact. But because you're excluding that from the thing, then it's a penalty given. Whereas VAR could easily overrule that, and that is a matter of fact. Yeah. But because of your guidelines that you set out the, at, at the beginning, it doesn't count. Look at something like Aguero against Monaco was clearly chopped down by the goalkeeper, but got booked for. I feel like they're ganging up on me now. These two. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 so is this just you? You, you know you're wrong. Maybe. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've not. But I've not. I, like I, I've, I've not seen it in operation where it's worked really well yet. Like anywhere. I really. think. I think. I think it works well in uh, after the initial like first round of games in the World Cup. I thought it worked well. Okay. But but I agree with you. It should be working a lot better. But I think that comes down again to more the standard of officiating across the board is is pretty terrible, except for Mike Dean. 
<laughs> right, well, that's it for this week's Blue Moon Podcast. If you'd like to get a little bit more, there's a bonus show available for Patreon backers of $2 a month or more. That's about £1.50 a month for four or five extra podcasts. All about random city topics. This week's is on Mario Balotelli after his Twitter antics this week. If you've not seen, there are some changes coming to the Patreon page from next season, including the option for you to appear on the bonus podcasts. It also means that February is the last month where you can sign up to get the physical rewards like mugs, bottle openers and badges. So if you want to get your hands on some of them, then you'll need to sign up before the end of the month. There are more details about the changes on our Twitter feed at Blue Moon Podcast. Special thanks to my two guests for this week, to KC. Pleasure. And Tom Altus. Thanks very much. I've been David Mooney. We'll see you in seven days. Take care. Was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. I'm going to explain it, sorry. <laughs> Is that not the explanation then? No. No, no, because I'm going to do it actually now for the people right. who are listening. I'm going to cut that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that was still going to be the show then? Yeah. <laughs> no, he just kind of, no. he looks at you a bit different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>